Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Thank you very much. Uh, very good morning to you. Uh, my name is Grant. I'm age 37 and I come from Edinburgh. My story is, uh, as a young child, uh, I witnessed things and seen things, but went through things that no child should have to go through. I seen my mother being sexually attacked by her brother. Uh, I went through something similar to the same nature as a child. So you can imagine, it wasn't good, doesn't sound good. So after what happened to my mother, the family never believed her. So we had to move away because there was a lot of death threats to my mother. So my mother thought it was safer as she moved the child, me and my sister away to start a new life. So as my mother moved away, we moved to a place called Leith in Edinburgh. And my mother started going to church and gave her life to Christ. So as a young child for the age of six, I had a church upbringing as a Christian. Uh, I stopped going to church attending church in the age of probably 12. But in that, for the age of 6 to 12, my mother had met my, my stepfather in church, uh, and she married him sometime later. And life got better, as you can imagine, it was good. But uh, my stepdad started drinking again. And I'd never seen anyone drunk. My mother used to hide me for all these kind of things. So when I seen him acting out of character, it really, really scared me as a child. I'd never seen anything like that. So my isolation started. I didn't want to be near him. Uh, I didn't want to spend time with him, so I'd always spend time in my room. So <clears throat> as years went on, I got to an age, I was coming into nearly 16, and this, my Christmases were ruined every year because he's drinking. And it wasn't a good time. I remember my mum crying a lot. And when I got to the age of 15, it happened again on Christmas Day, and I had enough. I reacted. I hit him. And I never spent Christmas at my mother's for the next seven years after that. So that's when my rebellion started towards my stepdad, really. Yeah, I bet I'll show him sort of thing. And I started going to house parties and getting involved with taking drugs, like a lot of weekend drugs. I lived for the weekend. But as in doing that, I formed a passion for rave music, hardcore music. And I got involved in the rave scene. I was a hardcore MC for 17 years that played up and down the country. Yeah. I thought it was the start of my life, and it was really the start of my demise, because when I started using drugs, it was good at first. Yes, I admit, I was enjoyed it at first. It was all for the love of the music, but then the downhill spiral started to happen with depression, paranoia, fear, anger. I ended up in a psychiatric unit, and that was a good place for me, you know. I tried to stop taking the drugs again, but I always got lured back, because this lifestyle with the rave scene, able to on stage and get the crowd hyped up and everybody knew me, everyone loved me there and it was a sense of acceptance for me I didn't feel accepted at home because of my stepdad I went there and everyone was just like, he's brilliant that's what I enjoyed about it <clears throat> but <clears throat> as years went on it just, I started changing my attitude started changing because I knew I had a bit of authority in this music scene and I started treating people wrongly uh, basically abusing people's trusts you know, I was a bit of a womanizer, you know wasn't a good place to be. But becoming more that lifestyle with drugs comes violence. One year, 2002, I was involved in a premeditated street fight that would change how I would look forever. Uh, overstepped a mark, I tried to challenge four guys, and I ended up being stabbed four times. Uh, initially, the last time, the last knife wound went straight into the side of my skull, right through my eye, right through the other side of my skull. Basically, I lost my eye. I have a false eye now. If the knife had went millimetres deeper that evening, I'd be dead because it would have severed a major blood vessel in my brain. I was thankful 
I know God works in millimetres because he's definitely saved me that night. That brought a lot of psychological and emotional problems within itself. I never looked like everyone else now. I was different eh, because I had this false eye. And I used to compare myself to everybody and be really harsh on myself. And I learned harshness from my mother when I was younger, but I was always, always look at this and be harsh on myself. So I started taking more drugs. When I came out of the hospital, I just went back to it because it took away the focus of having to deal with this. And... It's been really tough, really tough, really, really tough. But I know since coming to Teen Challenge that my identity is not in my eye. My identity is in Jesus Christ. So God showed me that, so I'm really thankful for that. But a few years later after this happened, uh, I was trying to sort myself out as much as possible. You know, and I ended up back on the drugs, getting lured back in with this lifestyle because I thought I was a nobody without this lifestyle. Everyone loves me, there, my nobody here. So I got drawn back in and it took off the, the focus of my eye and I went and done that for more years. But I lost my mother in 2011. Uh, my mother was my, my safe place when I was coming off of drugs and not feeling it. I'd go there, she'd pray for me. It was really a place where I knew I was safe because my mum's a Christian. When I lost her, I lost my best friend. My mother knew everything about me. I didn't have somebody I could speak to, to about my problems and my issues. So I was in denial. Uh, my drug taking and alcohol abuse got more so just rather than the weekend benders started happening every second day now because I, I didn't want to face up to the fact that I'd lost my mother so I was in that, in that place for about four years I'd say I was just in my room all the time on my own the only time I would converse with people is if I was on drugs or gone out to a, a night out or something like that <clears throat> no drug induced I had nobody around me. I was left in a place of total isolation where I had no hope within myself. You know, I just thought, I was going nowhere. How can I go out of this? And I wanted to die. So I made a call out to God. I remember it vaguely. And it says in Psalm 34, 4, I called out to the Lord and he answered me. Well, the Lord did certainly answer me because five months later, I was in a Teen Challenge program. They build up to things that happened before that. My life changed. I managed to get a job. It was like God put me back around people to get used to people again. Yeah, I was doing really well, but I'd have a slip and go back. I lost so many jobs because of the partying at the weekends. So when I came to Teen Challenge, April 2015, uh, I left foolishly after 10 weeks. I never built the right foundations in Christ. I didn't enjoy my time there. My mind was still on coming back at the party and rave scene. And I didn't enjoy my time there. I did not one bit. So I left. Within five weeks, I was back in my old lifestyle. Back going to the raves, taking drugs, women. And the week after that, I'd slipped. Uh, during the Edinburgh Festival, when I'm, I paint a picture, when Edinburgh Festival's on, it doubles in population. So I'm waiting at the train station, to meet a girl who I wasn't meant to be meeting. And the next minute I've heard, hello, Brother Grant. And I'm, who's this? It was a, st a staff member for Teen Challenge and two of the residents. And that sort of put me off guard. And I, was, I thought I'd never see these guys ever, ever again. In the middle of the festival, I was, okay, that's got something to do with God. Because you couldn't make this up. So a couple of months later, I got a new job. And the name of the site was called Charles Church. The site manager was a pastor. This was all just leading me back to God to go back to church, and I did. 
I initially came back to Teen Challenge when I was in the back in a place of despair. Uh, the same year, the end of September, uh, I had a more transparent outlook when I went to Teen Challenge this time. I dealt with all my issues that I'd, I've just spoke to you about. We've uh, done it for a counsellor called Brian Senate, where you've got to accept what's happened to you. Somebody's done something to you, or vice versa. Then you need to forgive the person, forgive yourself, and pass them on the love of Christ that Christ gave me, because we've all done wrong. So you've got to face up to these things. Really, Teen Challenge is a place where you go in there and say, you need to forgive a lot of people. But forgive yourself. I'm just thankful to God that I was made part of that story. So, God's been faithful to me. I've done the program. I finished my program up at Whitchester House where I've done 16 months. Uh, and I came to Leadership Academy just in January past. Uh, God's definitely gave me back the years that the locus has taken. I've got a great relationship with my family and my daughter. Uh, I have love in my life. You know, I have peace. I know I want to help people. Yeah, I know that uh, I'm forgiven. I know that I'm loved. I know I'm accepted. Plus, I know that I'm chosen in Him. You know, I know with my problems, I can just get on my knees, get down to that river, and just lift the prayers to Him, and God does the rest. You've just got to trust Him. Just listen to what He's got to say to you. So I'm really, really thankful for what God's done in my life. Uh, he's told me things about my future, which I'll not say. But they're still to come to pass, and he keeps confirming it in his word, and he keeps telling me it's the same thing. It's really encouraging. And uh, I have a move on. I leave, I leave the academy this December. I've been in Teen Challenge just over two years now, and the Lord's opened a door for me to do a year's internship within a church just outside Edinburgh in Preston Pans. So I'm going to be doing outreach there. I'm going to have a mentor, which was a big thing for me, leaving Teen Challenge. I need a mentor. I've got somewhere for me to live within a community, which is important. I've been living in community the last couple of years within Teen Challenge, and it's essential that I have some other Christians like-minded so it can keep me on my, on my path, which I'm going to stick to. But it's important to have people around you that are doing the same things. So that's what God's done in my life, and uh, I just look forward to the rest of my life because I know in Christ, you know, the future's bright, and it's in his hands. I've just got to walk into it and... Keep praising them and do the right things. Thank you very much. Thank you, Grant. I'm going to read. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 15, from verse 11. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And my name's Joanna. I worked in Hope House, which is the girls' rehab centre. I worked there for about seven and a half years. Uh, quite a while ago now, really. I left there, I'm not quite sure when I left there, early, mid, early 2000s, and now my husband is one of the pastors in the Teen Challenge Centre. So Luke chapter 15, verse 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry 
that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house and he asked one of the servants, what's going on? Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your father was dead, for your your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Amen. Hey, up. It's great to be with you in Mansfield. Whoa, what a... Somebody's excited anyway. That's good to hear. Do <laughs> you know what? It's a privilege. It really is a privilege to be involved in the Ministry of Teen Challenge. The testimonies every day of lives that are being transformed... How many of you know we're still living in the day of miracles? We're still living in the day where God is setting captives free. We're still living in the day where, where people whose lives are broken and lost are being transformed. God is still lifting people out of the miry clay and setting their feet on the rock. He's still giving people who have who been written off by society, He's still giving them a hope and a future. And that's the God we serve. And, and Joy, it's just a delight to be in that, in that place. I was talking to Grant earlier. And what part of my role within Teen Challenge is, is I, I teach how can I know I'm a Christian. And we teach that to the guys who have just come into the program. And often they're not saved at that point. And that's why we call it Rather than how do I know I'm a Christian? How can I know I'm a Christian? And and some of the some of the questions that you get and some of the things are just so refreshing 
from, from people who are searching, who are obviously looking around at, at lives that have been transformed. But you know, the most powerful thing that happens is not that I can come up with the right answers or the right arguments. The most powerful thing is the power of a testimony, the power of a transformed life. My testimony is very different. I was brought up in a Christian home. And my, my parents, you know, some people say, oh, their parents, you know, they were one thing at church and one thing at home. That wasn't my testimony. My testimony was my, my parents lived the life. They were sold out for God. And so from a very young age, I, 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 in fact, I don't remember a time I didn't love Jesus. I can't remember a time in my life where, where I didn't love Jesus. And, uh, and yet, I learned something, and it probably took me a long time to learn this. I learned something. God has saved me from everything he saved the guys that I'm now working with from. He saved me from it all. It's just, I thank God that he saved me before that was my testimony. He, he rescued me, and you know what? We need to be praying for our children, don't we? We need to be praying. My, my prayer, and I think, you know, that, that I, I look at these guys as, as you know, as, as they pray for their children. And they, they don't want their children to have, as much as it's great to hear a dramatic testimony of a life that's been transformed. Once I was in drugs, and once I was an alcoholic, and once I was a gambler, and once I was in life controlling issues. I don't know about you, but I, you know, I, I, I don't want to see our children with that testimony. I want them to have a testimony that they were rescued and saved before ever that was their story. But I thank God that there, there is a God who lifts people from the ash heap and sets them among princes. There's a beautiful, I love the psalm where it says about our God, he stoops to look down on the heavens. You know, we, we, we are only just beginning to find out how big the universe is. And yet, and, and, and he measures, he measures it as a span. I just want you to think about this. This is nothing to do, uh, don't take this out of my time. But I just want you to think about this. Our God, awesome God, he looks at the universe and he goes, yeah, there it is. Those incredible hands that can hold the universe in its span. What does he use them for? To lift the needy from the ash heap and to set them among princes. What a God. What a God. What a gospel. What, a, what truth we have today. And as we look here just briefly at the story of the prodigal son, there are just some things I want to pull from this that, that hopefully might minister to some of you as I was praying for you, I was just praying for, for what to say. There were just some things that, that jumped out at me. The first thing is simply this. Sin's attractive. You don't need me to tell you that. But there's something about sin that's attractive, but it never delivers what it promises. 
You know, Grant was saying there about when he got involved in the rave scene. When he started, it was all about the music and had a real passion for music. I believe that's a God-given passion. You know, that, that God is, you know, have you ever thought about why did God create us with the ability to sing? We don't need to sing to communicate. You know, if, if it was just about evolution, you know, why would we need to sing? Actually, God created us with the ability to sing to give Him glory and to give Him praise. Actually, God wants our praise and He gave us the ability to sing to glorify Him. And, and you know, God puts this passion for music in Grant's heart because He wants to use it to glorify Himself. But instead of that, Grant used it on, and it led him down to a path that he didn't want to go. And do you know what? Sin does that. Yeah, something about the Garden of Eden. It says when Eve saw the fruit, that it was attractive and looked good to taste. If, if it was an ugly fruit, you know, just something that just, you know, it was like bruised and, and ugly and not attractive, she never would have been drawn to it. It was actually when she looked at the beauty. And, and do you know what? Sin promises so much. You can, you can have it now. You can have it without cost. You can have, you can have so much. And it's, 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 but never, it never tells you the small print. Never. And, and it leads so far and it will take you to places you don't want to go. And maybe you're here today and, and, and you're looking and, and I, I don't know, maybe there are even, maybe there are even business deals that, 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 that look attractive. And you think, yeah, we, we, can, we can make money, but we've just got to compromise here and there. I tell you what, it will cost you far more than you ever want. Honor God. Seek first his kingdom and everything else will be added to you. Put God first in your life. And do you know what? What he will bless you with will, will, will do you know what? It's more than enough. And, and we have a God, trust him to bless you. But you see, sin, it, it always promises what it can't deliver. And this man, as he goes out, he gets in with the wrong company. And bad company corrupts good character, the book of Proverbs tells us. We need to be careful who we are yoking ourselves with. And as a church, you have a passion for reaching out, reaching out to, to those that are lost and hurting and broken. And that the more that you do that, I want to tell you, you need to be locked in in fellowship with one another. Because it's, it's, have you ever heard the saying, it's easier to pull somebody off a table than to lift them onto it? There's a lot of truth in that. But actually, if you're going to get involved in, in helping the hurting, helping the broken, helping those that are lost in reaching out, and I, I, hope, I hope many of you do, because that's the heart of God. And I want to come to that in just a moment. That's the heart of the Father, is to reach out to those that are hurting and broken and lost. And we have a message of hope this morning. We have the greatest message that anybody can ever hear. But if you are going to be involved in reaching out, 
then you need to make sure you're in good company, that you are keeping locked in with people who are going to encourage you and strengthen you. You know what? We need to run together. We need, to, we need each other. We need to be building one another up. You know, when we come together uh, you know, on, on, a, on a Sunday like this, we need to be encouraging one another. You know, too many, too many Christians are pulling each other down. You know, that's not our role. We, that's not our role. Our role is to build one another up. Let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Every one of us has a call. Every one of us is important to the body of Christ. And we need one another. Let's consider. You know, let that, in other words, think about how can I encourage somebody today? How can I build somebody up today? As, as we seek to reach out. Because we have a Father who loves the outcast. Who loves the hurting and the broken. I want to ask you a question. I think, it, I think you'll probably know the, the answer. When did the father in this story stop loving his son? It's not a trick question. He never did. He never did. It was always a son that was just, but he was lost. And he's looking out. And it says of Jesus that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. The heart of the Father was always looking out, reaching out for his Son. And this was something as I was praying for you. As I was praying for you, that God put something into my heart. And this is for somebody here today. You have a loved one. Who is, who, who is lost and is, it seems far away and it seems like they've, they've, they've gone so far. The son always knew his way home. Always knew his way home. And this, is, this was the word. That loved one that you're praying for, that you're believing for, that, that breaks your heart, that has kept you awake at night praying, they know their way home. They know their way home. But one thing happened to that, to that son. The Bible says when he was looking at what the pigs were eating and longing to eat it, he says he came to his senses. Oh, I pray for our loved ones that they'll come to their senses. Just by show of hand, how many here, you have loved ones who are outside the kingdom right now? Just by show of hand, people that you're praying for, that's, that is nearly every one of us. That is nearly every one of us. And you know what? That represents, I know that that represents hundreds of prayers. Every hand represents us, you know, weeping. I, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I have loved ones that are that are unsaved, and I, and I, you know, the times and the hours that I've spent praying for them and and longing for them to be saved. He's a good, good father, and he's just longing for them to come home. 
And when the son came home, he was expecting judgment. He was expecting to be, to be cast aside. He was expecting to be, to be put as a servant, as a hired hand. And he found mercy and he found grace. Do you know one thing I know about just from walking into this place is, is where people walk into this place, they're not going to find judgment. They're going to find mercy and they're going to find grace. How many of you know church is meant to be a community of grace? I, I, I heard, I don't know how, if any of you have ever read Philip Yancey's book, What's So Amazing About Grace? So it's a great, it's a great book. And in that book, he tells a story of a, of, a, of a prostitute and he buys her time and he sits in a, in a coffee shop. And I, I won't go into detail because it's not the kind of detail I want to go into on a Sunday morning. But just to say, she'd done some things that she was deeply ashamed of. And he said to her, have you ever thought about going to church? And her words have haunted me ever since I read it. She said these words, church, don't you think I already feel bad enough? I tell you, that slapped me in the face, those words. That, that isn't what church is about. Jesus was known as a friend of sinners. And I go back to what I said about being careful that we have good company, that we keep in, a, in with people who are going to keep us grounded and keep us strong. That's really important that we do that. But we need to be known as a friend of sinners. You know what? If other churches criticize us because, you know, they say, oh, that church is worldly. Because, you know, anybody can go there. I don't know. That sounds like a good reputation to me. That's the kind of church, they let anybody go in there. Yeah, that's the kind of church I want to belong to. You know, because because that, they're the ones that Jesus came. Jesus said, I didn't come. I didn't come for the righteous. I came for sinners. He says, it's the sick that needs a doctor, not the healthy. And the church, yes, we are here for one another. And much of the New Testament is about building one another up, but... Do you know what? We need to be a light that's shining out to the world. How are the world going to know that God loves them unless we reach out to them? Unless we tell them? Unless we, we show them the love of God? There was another son. There was another son. And I want you to see the father's heart to this other son. Because I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm among people that, that have a heart. For, for the broken and hurting and lost. I know that I am. But there is was, there was another kind of people that are judgmental and they're legalistic. And you know what? They're, they've always get under your skin a little bit. And this elder son was a little bit like that. I've, I've been slaving away for you all this time. I've been working. I've been doing my best. And now, and now this Johnny come lately comes in and gets everything that I've never had. 
What was the father's heart to this son? He left the party to go and speak to him. Showed him the same grace that he showed the prodigal son. Showed him the same grace. Gave him the same love. Gave him the same attention. Actually wanted to bring him into the party too. And I pray that, that even, even as, you know what, we need give one another time. That we give one another time to, to, to actually see. Because what this eldest son didn't realize is everything the father had was his. And I just want to say this in closing. Everything the father had was his. See, both sons didn't know the father. That was the issue. The younger son didn't know that actually he would find mercy and grace when he came back to the father. The elder son didn't realize that everything he did, everything that he did working in in the father's fields and working in, in the father's kingdom, what he didn't realize is, it was his inheritance that he was working for. And I don't know where you're at this morning. But everything he has is yours. Everything he has is yours. There was a, an art sale a few years ago. It's a story that's been told many times. And I, I don't... I, 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 guess it's been told in so many different ways so I don't even know if it's a true story but it makes a good point there was a an art sale and there were very expensive exclusive art for sale and at this at this auction it was a, a, a man had died and he owned Rembrandts and just really expensive paintings. And people came from all over the world ready to, to buy one of these paintings. Before the main auction began, the auctioneer pulled up quite a crude painting of the man's son and he'd, and he'd put into his, his will that this had to be sold first and so, so they, you know, they were like oh come on will you just get on with it will you just get on with it we want to get to the real art we want to get to the real paintings And he's saying, but somebody bid me something. And the gardener, of, who had been faithful to the family for many years, put up his hand. He said, I don't have very much, but I'll, I'll bid for the painting. And he just gave a couple of hundred, couple of hundred pounds for the painting. And the auctioneer put down his gavel and said, sail over. Because the one who gets the son 
gets everything. And it had been put into his will. Whoever bought the painting of the son got all of the painting. I don't know whether that's a true story or not. But one thing I do know is that's the gospel. The one who gets the son gets everything. The one who gets the son gets everything. There's a father that loves you and cares for you. That cares. And it, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've strayed, in that third song that we sang this morning, there was a beautiful spirit as we sang that song. It was a beautiful song. And one of the lines says, beauty for ashes. You know, ashes is when things have gone too far. When, when they've become ashes, it's gone beyond. And yet we have a God who is able. Maybe you have loved ones. Maybe you have someone here today and it's gone too far. They've, they've gone too far and you think they're beyond redemption. They're beyond help. They've gone too far. They've strayed too far. We have a God who gives beauty for ashes. And we have a God who is able to restore people no matter how far they've strayed. I pray that as a church, you will, you will reach those people who it seems like they've gone too far and you'll see them restored, you'll see them healed, you'll see them renewed, you'll see them receiving the greatest reward that any could ever receive and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen.